This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody, and welcome into the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. I'm Hannah Wing, the Rangers digital and in-game host, and I'm so excited to be back for the first episode of the second half of the season with my partner in crime, Jared Sandler. It's going to be tons of fun today. We have an incredible conversation with Rangers general manager, Chris Young. He has a really unique perspective. He played for the Rangers. He grew up a Rangers fan, and now he's their GM. So really cool conversation with him about his experiences as a fan, player, and now GM. And, of course, talking about the 2022 draft and the future of the organization. Yeah, I'm I'm really jealous of Chris Young. Because he's, he's tall? Well, yeah, he's tall. I don't know what I'm more <laughs> jealous about. I, I think, like, and maybe he would agree to this, uh, we, like, trade some inches. So I'm not saying we need to do a total swap and he needs to be, I'm 5'7", we'll round up, I'm 5'6 and 3 quarters. But maybe he'd rather be, now that his athletic career is over, maybe he'd rather be 6'3". Yeah. And we can both Balance, meet in the You can middle. both be 6'3". Yeah. I think, and and then on top of that, I mean, where we are similar is that we're both from this area. We both grew up diehard Rangers fans, uh, and he now has the the opportunity and responsibility to shape this organization, which is is really really neat. And I know, and and, and we'll hear this in the in the conversation. It's not something lost on him, right? Like I don't think he's become jaded to the fact that he grew up a Rangers fan. No, I think if anything, it helps him because he yeah. empathizes with the Rangers fans, absolutely. and I feel like most GMs wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100% agree. I think that's that's really neat, and uh, I, I think a lot of people can relate to that dream of doing something, usually it's playing, but doing something for your childhood favorite team, and you got to do that. you got to pitch uh, for the Rangers. Oddly, his boss traded him away from the Rangers, John Daniels, <laughs> but now... Uh, he is getting to, to make those types of decisions and, and grow this organization. Yes, so we have a really great conversation with him, so be sure to stick around for that. And something that we also wanted to mention is for all of our great listeners, we want to thank you guys so much for being here with us week in and week out. We've had so much fun with you all this season and can't wait to continue all of that in the second half of the season. But we want to thank you guys. And so if you could leave us a rating, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, one of you guys will get a custom Rangers jersey. So be sure to go do that as soon as you can. Uh, make burner accounts if you want to, yeah. but have fun we, with it, and we just appreciate y'all so much. We encourage the burner accounts. And you can yeah. get you can get a Hannah Wing jersey. I mean, yes, or a Jared it. Sandler jersey, whatever no you want. No one wants that, but what would your number be? So on my custom jersey that I have, I did, I think I did 18, because that was the year that I started with the team. A little sentimental, but what would yours be? Well, as I've gotten older, I've become more and more uncomfortable with this, but my my number growing up was always one, and it never was, because it wasn't about like, oh, I'm number one, it never occurred to me until I was like early high school that it might come off that way, but I'm born on the first. Oh, nice. And one was also usually, whenever like jerseys were mass ordered, usually the lower numbers were the smallest jerseys, and I... I needed that. And so it just kind of, I could always rely on one 
fitting me if if it wasn't you know sometimes you play for a team and and you tell the coach I want this jersey and they order it to yourself but sometimes it's like hey here are the jerseys figure it out and so I was one except for uh, when I played high school basketball our our coach Jay Andrews uh, who is one of the most influential people probably in my life he would not allow any of us to wear the number one he thought it was you know it hey, look at me, I'm number one. And so I wore 12 because that's what my oldest brother wore when he played sports. So anyway, uh, not that anyone wanted a full history of my numerology. I did. You learn something new every day. But I, I think, like, I, I I was always number one in sports, but maybe I would maybe I would change it up just because I don't want it to be like, oh, he, he thinks he's number one because I don't. I, I think I'm, like, number 72. I think you're something. number one. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you, Hannah. At least there's one woman in my life who thinks that. I, and I'm married, so that tells you that my wife probably thinks I'm number two, three, or four. Our dog <laughs> is number one. That's how it should be. And just to give this episode some context, right now Jared and I are recording on August 3rd. Time is flying by. So the trade deadline happened yesterday, ended at 5 p.m. And honestly, going into this episode, we didn't know if we were going to have a bunch of trade talk minimal trade talk or anything at all. So Matt Bush is now at the Milwaukee Brewers, and we received a pitching prospect, a big lefty. He's about, what, 6'5", 22 years old. So that'll be great to have in the Rangers' arsenal one day and also an infielder who was added to the 40-man roster. Yeah, so Mark Mathias uh, is the infielder. Just providing the organization some depth, uh, you know, people who are following the trade deadline and the rumors and maybe just are up to speed with, where the Rangers are and, and what the strengths and, and, and weaknesses are within the organization probably know that uh, the Rangers have a, a bevy of super talented infielders slash infield prospects. And so it's, it's very possible that, uh, you know, since the trade deadline is coming gone and there wasn't a big move made that maybe this off season, a big moves made. And we'll get to that in a second, but uh, you know, I think adding Mark Mathias was, you know, maybe in preparation of that. And you want to make sure that organizationally you maintain some depth, uh, someone who could come up and, and maybe fill a role off the bench at the big league level. But uh, I think the, you know, the, the guy that I'm really excited about is Antoine Kelly, the 6'5 lefty. And here's the deal. I, you know, when you trade Juan Soto, you're going to get prospects who, not that they don't have any room for growth, but they're way more established. They're super stud prospects. And that's what uh, the Nationals received. When you trade Matt Bush, who's, a really good pitcher, but not Juan Soto, you're going to get a prospect back who uh, it, it, it typically goes one of two routes. One, it's it's maybe the guy who throws, if it's a pitcher, a guy who throws 90-92, really good control, but maybe that upside's not there. Or you might get someone like Antoine Kelly who throws in the high 90s. He's a 6'5 lefty, strikes a ton of guys out, doesn't give up a lot of hits or, or, or hasn't this year pitching in high A in the Brewers system. He'll start with double A Frisco here in the Rangers system. But you also look and you see, well, he's walked a lot of guys. But you're not going to get that perfect prospect, right? If you're going to get that perfect prospect, then he probably wouldn't be traded. And he certainly wouldn't be traded in a deal for a reliever. Uh, and so, you know, you can always find warts with these guys. It's I think it's easier to always, probably in life, but certainly in baseball, a sport where failure is you know, more common than, you know, than, than success, uh, you're, you're always going to be able to find reasons why someone won't make it or reasons why someone won't be successful. What is difficult is to find the path for someone to succeed. I don't think it's that difficult 
uh, with Antoine Kelly. Uh, 6'5 lefty, throws in the high 90s. He's a starting pitcher right now. A lot of pitchers deal with command issues, control issues, and they deal with it at various stages, and they, they can overcome it. That's not like asking a guy who throws 91 to all of a sudden throw 99. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee, but it's, it's something you can overcome. And I would say this. Let's say Antoine Kelly doesn't work out as a starter. 6'5 lefty who throws in the high 90s as a starter probably is going to fare pretty well as a reliever. So I think the Rangers are going to give him every chance to, to start and see how he grows there. But I think as a baseline, the Rangers have someone who's going to contribute at the major league level in some capacity. Let me ask you this. How surprised were you, or maybe not surprised, that the Rangers didn't end up trading Matt more? Yeah, I was. I, so, Hannah, I, I said the night before, so I guess that would have been Monday night on air, uh, that I would be, I mean, to use that word, I, I'd be incredibly surprised if the Rangers traded Martin Perez, and I'd be incredibly surprised if they did not trade Matt Moore. And they didn't end up trading Martin Perez I don't know that the market really developed for Martin, uh, and and I think that's in part because if you look at the teams who are kind of locks to be in the playoffs, uh, they've got great starting pitching They're already. They're set. Yeah. They're good. The, the one team that maybe, I guess, the Yankees, they oddly traded a pitcher, but, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know that there any, anything materialized there, and that's an organization that wants, you know, swing and miss guys. I was surprised about Matt Moore, and that's not uh, – that's not for any reason other than that Matt Moore has earned uh, that sort of opinion. He's he's playing for a team that is is you know several games under five hundred, unfortunately. So that means that relievers are usually uh, going to be made very available. I think he was, but my guess is the Rangers didn't get the type of offer that was going to justify it. Uh, but he's been one of the best pitchers, relief pitchers in baseball. I wonder though, you know, a lot of the conversation around Martin Perez has been. Will the Rangers extend him? Will they sign him, you know, to, to return beyond this year? And I think that if the Rangers uh, didn't trade Matt Moore, which they didn't, that those conversations will probably happen too. You know, the Rangers want to compete for a playoff spot next year. Uh, John Daniels and Chris Young made that abundantly clear yesterday when they spoke to the media. That would be Tuesday after the trade deadline. They had that conversation, and it was not about, oh, we hope to be in a playoff race next year. It's That's the expectation. Anything short of that would be, you know, a disappointment in their eyes. And in order to do that, the starting rotation is going to have to improve. But so will the bullpen. And if if they believe that what Matt Moore has done this year is not just, you know, a, a one-year, one-hit wonder type thing as a reliever, uh, maybe Matt Moore, you know, does stick around. And, and so maybe it's a blessing in disguise that they didn't ultimately move on from him. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, and yes, we do have some really fun Ask Us Anything questions that we'll dive into here in a second. I'm getting a little bit ahead because this kind of ties in with our first one. Do you think that Cole Wynn or Cole Reagans or both will make their debut before the end of this season? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, Hannah, it's been a tougher year for Cole Wynn. Now, he's 22 pitching in AAA, so he's, you know, ahead of schedule. There's nothing wrong with being a 22-year-old struggling in your first full year a triple A. And I just think that he's going through the normal growing pains that a young pitcher is going through. And, you know, I think he went into this year knowing that that big league carrot was, you know, was right within there. reach, right? <laughs> he didn't need a, he didn't need binoculars to see it. And, you know, you always wonder is a young guy trying to pitch for that, right? It's, it's tough when you put that pressure on yourself, every start I make, that could be the start that gets me to the big leagues. But uh, I, I, I don't have concerns about Cole wins, you know, long-term, prognosis or anything but uh, I think if he puts together a, a few good starts then maybe it's a, a consideration 
Uh, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here with 40-man roster implications, but uh, basically, uh, you know, the Rangers don't have to add him to the 40-man roster this offseason, I don't believe. And so that maybe adds a, a procedural road bump for Colwyn uh, to just come up for a cup of tea. You know, I think if he had earned his place to get several starts, that's different. But to just throw him a bone in, in late September and then to take away a 40-man roster spot, uh, and, and we can get into this another time, but that, that does create challenges for the front office. But Cole Reagan's hand, I, I'm, I am almost certain he will be here, and he will be here soon. You know, it's, it's Wednesday. Uh, it's Wednesday morning. We're having this conversation. Uh, this is going to come out tomorrow. Cole Wynn might start this week. I mean, the Rangers have an open roster spot, open rotation spot because of John Gray's injury. And I just want to quickly, you know, bring up, I, whether it's this this week or later this month or whatever, Cole Reagans is a great story. Uh, First-round pick back in 2016, ends up having to get Tommy John in 2017. Uh, comes back spring training, uh, I guess it would have been, uh, 2018, we saw him on a mound in spring training. Tommy John again. So now he's you know he's missed 2018, 2019, uh, and 2020 is the pandemic year, right? So he's had a rough go of it for yeah. sure. And then 2021, uh, he comes back. But here's the thing. Here, here's what I don't think people, you know, necessarily consider and and maybe don't grasp the the significance of this. And maybe I don't grasp it ev- either, even though I'm I'm sharing this. He didn't pitch in a a professional game from the end of 2017 until 2021. Those were ages 2021, 22, 23. Those are pivotal years. Very pivotal. It's never easy to have back-to-back Tommy John surgeries or just two even if they're spaced out. But when you're losing those early developmental years, that's tough. And that could be a death sentence for a guy. Not to mention that I think we take for granted sometimes that when you get hurt, when, or when, when a player gets hurt, we hear, okay, we hear about the injury. We hear about the surgery. They always say, oh, surgery was successful, blah, blah, blah. We might get an update or two along the way. And then we see them back on the field. And it's like, you, I think you take for granted how tough that is. It's, it's not a guarantee. And it's grueling. It's physically grueling. It's mentally grueling. And then to, to go through a year-long recovery that – probably challenges you physically and mentally in ways you've never been challenged before. And then a few months later, to then have to go through it all again. Plus the, the mental side of, oh, I'm a first-round pick. Am I going to be a failure? I just I, I can't even adequately put into words what this journey must have been like for Cole Reagans. And I just think the fact that he has earned his way or, or in short order likely earning his way to the big leagues is something that absolutely needs to be celebrated. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. I really hope that he comes up soon. I think that there's a lot of excitement around him. He has so much potential. So I think that he's obviously in the position that he's in for a reason, and I hope that he does extremely well, especially after all that he's been through. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Certainly excited for Cole and his family, and I, th- I think he's uh, married. I think he's a dad. I, you know, a lot's gone on over these last few years, and now he gets to add, you know, major league pitcher to his uh, his resume, something that he'll never have taken away from him. And hopefully it's a, a career full of success, you know, whenever it is that he gets that call up, which I anticipate will be soon. Well, in addition to Cole Reagans potentially making his first start, I'm excited about these fan questions that we have, Jared, aren't you? I'm pumped. Are you ready <laughs> okay. to rock? Yes, let's jump into it. Uh, I'll ask you yours first. Okay. Uh, we just touched on the Cole Wynn question. This one's from Tom Holly. He wants to know, or excuse me, Tom Holy 
Holy? He is, he's holier than thou. He is holier than thou. Excuse me, Tom. If you're listening, I apologize. He's also got a holly jolly personality. Yes, he's like Santa Claus. He's the happiest guy I've ever met. Uh, who is your favorite person to go on neighborhood walks with? Well, that's uh, it, it was Tom. So Tom is the John Blake of the Dallas Stars, or I should say was. Uh, vice President of, of Communications and just an all-around awesome person. Uh, Mac Engel, actually, a few years ago during the pandemic, wrote a story about Tom's weight loss journey, which really consisted of going on these long walks in our neighborhood. We're neighbors, and uh, Tom recently accepted a position with the San Jose Sharks, uh, shifting from the communication side of things to the hockey operations side. He, uh, he used to work with the Sharks, and Mike Greer uh, was a player for the Sharks when he worked there. Mike Greer is now the GM of the Sharks, and they maintained a tremendous relationship Mike brought him over. It's a, it's an incredible step up and a, an incredibly impressive step up. You don't see many people go from communications to, uh, to the the player, the team operations side that you know the way Tom is. But uh, Tom is is someone who you know the average DFW sports fan might not know, uh, but you know people within the you know entrenched in the DFW sports community certainly know Tom. Uh, just to give you an idea of his impact, you know, forget the fact that. You know, talking to some of his, uh, I guess, the, the people in his department, the, like the, the outpouring of like support, but also disappointment that he's leaving has been pretty impressive. But Joe Pavelski, who's been one of the Stars' best players, said when he was first interviewed uh, about signing with the Stars a couple years ago that one of the big reasons that, you know, he was sold on Dallas was because of Tom. And Aww. I don't know that. I've ever heard a player, especially a big no, name player. I've never heard of that yeah. before. So Tom's a, an awesome person uh, and super excited for him. But the DFW sports community is is losing a great one. And, and Tom and the San Jose, Northern California sports community is uh, gaining a great one. So I'm guessing that's your favorite person to go on neighborhood walks with. He, well, I, I guess my dog, Cooper. Cooper's number one yeah, always. We talked Tom, about this earlier. Yeah, he Tom, is always number one. Tom's tough. He's taller than I am. So he has longer strides. I would like. I'm in pretty decent cardiovascular shape. Walking with Tom, like, wears me out. It's like that meme with little dogs where it's like, wait for me, I got little legs. And it's like this little tiny dog running. I feel like that's you and Tom next to each other. You're just, like, yeah. sprinting after him. Yeah, but. absolutely. All right, up next, how did you get your position in the sports business? Uh, I annoyed a lot of people. Uh, you know, I when I went to college, we, we went to USC. Yep, fight on. Uh, fight on. Uh, and when I went to USC, I, I really started to begin, I guess, my broadcasting journey and it was a lot of emailing. It was a lot of, you know, appropriately bugging people, right? Uh, and, you know, I always tell kids this when I speak to, to classes, whatnot. I, if there was a draft for broadcasters when I was coming out of college, I would not be a first-round pick, right? I, 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 that, I didn't have that natural skill set. I mean, you're, you're listening to me talk. I don't have that deep, booming voice that just commands the, you know, attention of entire zip code. Uh, so I had to work on all the little things, uh, but I think the relationship part of it is huge. This is a, a social uh, industry, and you know if if you can't if you can't develop relationships and get along with people uh, on air and off air, then you're going to have a tough time advancing. And so I, I know it's cliche. I, I just think you know being a good teammate, treating people right, being someone that other people like being around. Which maybe maybe that's not the case. Maybe people don't. I. You know, maybe I, 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 I'm totally oblivious to this, but I just don't think I'm good enough at what I do to not be someone that people at least enjoy having as a teammate. Uh, and I don't mean that like in a, a cocky way or anything. I just think that's that's important. I think if I was a pain in the butt to deal with consistently, I mean, I'm sure I am, you know, at times, but I like, why would you want to keep me around? Uh, and I just think that sometimes people feel like 
talent is all that matters. It certainly matters a ton. Uh, but I, I think the way you treat people, the way you can represent an organization, you know, we're on air right now in part, rep- we're an extension of the Rangers organization. Absolutely. Uh, the way you go and represent the organization so well, every home game, on camera, you know, on the mic. I mean, that's huge, right? You know, on the radio, the way Eric and Matt and, and on TV, Dave, CJ, Tom. I mean, Tom Grieve here in his last year, uh, who better to represent the Rangers organization on TV, you know, than Tom Grieve? And that's a huge part of, of who he is. So I just think that that's something that always needs to be considered. And don't wait for a job to get posted. Reach out to people uh, in areas where you'd want to work, for teams, for organizations, be on top of it. Cultivate relationships so that when that job opens up, you're not one of 500 people who are applying, blending in exactly. to every other resume. You need to put yourself in a position where you stand out. Because I'll tell you, Hannah, it might be, it might sound fun. I always thought when I was like 12, 13, hiring for a job would be fun. Oh my people, gosh. Right? I thought oh, that must be so cool. I can tell you it's not fun uh, because it is tedious and you still have to do all your other work and people love having a short list whenever a position opens up and not having to sift through 5 million resumes. Relationships in this industry are everything. So if you are young or even older and trying to get into sports, relationships are so key. So that's great advice. Uh, I do have one more. Besides Martin Perez, who do you think the Rangers will try to sign this offseason, either trade-wise or as free agents? Yeah, that's an outstanding question. And obviously the the multi-million dollar question. uh, Literally. Literally. Uh, So I'll start with this. Joe Musgrove, who recently signed an extension for the Padres, I think was going to be a free agent target for the Rangers. So a little bit of a loss there that he won't be a free agent. Clayton Kershaw, you know, will be. I think that the Rangers will pursue Clayton Kershaw again. Jacob deGrom, who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball the last few years, is really interesting because he's dealt with some injury stuff. And he just uh, yesterday, Tuesday, August 2nd, made his return to the big leagues after a lengthy absence. And I think how he finishes out the season – will impact, you know, not only the Rangers' interest and, and willingness to pay a certain price, but a lot of teams. But I do think the trade, uh, uh, I do think the trade market's going to be, a, a, you know, a very uh, desirable avenue for the Rangers. And, and a lot of the names we've heard about, Tarek Skubal, Pablo Lopez of the Marlins, uh, maybe, uh, you know, Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins. You know, I, I don't know. And, and maybe those teams, as, as time passes, will have less incentive to trade those guys. But, I think you're going to look for the same type of player, a controllable pitcher, someone who's not just, you know, come this offseason going to only be an option for 2023 unless it's a a cheaper price. But if it's going to be a big price, someone who's going to be an option for a few years, uh, those are the types of players I think the Rangers are are really going to first and foremost pursue. Obviously got to fortify the bullpen. And then, you know, I I think that the core and the lineup is is there. It's more just now a matter of uh, shoring up some spots in the lineup. Exciting. It'll yeah. be a fun off season and I can't believe this season is just flying by. Time flies and you're having fun. So Time. I can't believe it's already August. Time flies. I now you're way more diligent than I am. I'm gonna ask you questions. I, I, I forget I didn't write down who uh who wrote them. So I apologize for not giving these people the appropriate credit, but um I will try and track that down here in a second. But first question, uh you get to roam around Globe Life Field, so I think it's a great question. Favorite area of Globe Life Field to watch the game from? Ooh, okay, I guess I have two, and they're on opposite sides and opposite levels of the ballpark. So the first one's pretty standard and something that I'm very fortunate to even have access to is the field suites. I think it's such a fun way to watch the game. The on-deck circle is right there in front of you. You can see how fast they're throwing, how hard they're hitting, so... 
I just think that the field suites are awesome and a really unique and fun way to watch the game. So if you ever get tickets to field suites, definitely take yourself up on them because they are incredible. Um, so I would say definitely field suites. And then this is actually a place where I do a lot of my in-game hits now. Um, but it's over on the center field, way upper concourse. It's called the P2 Deck. And it has the most beautiful, picturesque view of the field. So I would say either the Field Suites or the P2. Uh, it's actually open to all fans. It's open to the public. So if you take an elevator by the Grand Slam Team store up to P2, it's a really, really awesome view of the field. I'll have to check that out. I've seen people post pictures there. It looks I'm a big good. fan of it. It's and, awesome. And you're, you're so good with, like, the angles. Thank you. I try. I've really um, trained my cameraman and my fiancé well of how to take a good picture. So <laughs> they're awesome. Cameraman and fiancé. Yes. The one and the same? Or no, they are, okay, they okay. are different, yeah, yeah. just to clarify. Uh, how did you get your role with the team, and what do you do? Great questions. Uh, I'll try to make this short and sweet, but back in 2018, I graduated from USC. Fight on again. We love That's it. Right, yeah. You know, Trojans in yep. Texas. Uh, I graduated jobless, which is something that I never thought would happen, especially, you know, coming out of a great program like Annenberg. And so I moved back home with my parents, which also wasn't exactly ideal. So I said, you know, I need a job. And I was applying to jobs in all 50 states, news, sports, entertainment, pretty much anything I get my hands on. And I was actually put in touch with someone for the Rangers. And I thought, if I have an in, I'm going to take full advantage of it. And so I put together a job pitch for what I'm doing now or at least a small percentage of what I'm doing now. And I just said, give me a shot, give me one year. And if I suck, and if you want to get rid of me, kick me out after a year, just give me one year. That's all I ask. And I'm on my fourth season. So just was really diligent. And my dad after said, you told them what? I was like, I know it was pretty ballsy, but it worked out. And I'm very fortunate to still be here uh, four seasons later. So my role is a lot of different things. I know if you're a fan listening, that you've been to the ballpark before, you've probably seen me as our in-game host, which is so much fun. I love meeting our fans and hosting those different in-park kits. They're so fun. Um, so I do that. I'm also our digital host, which is kind of what I originally started as, um, in addition to running our social channels when I very first started with the team. And so I'll host, you know, Rangers Roundup, which is kind of a homestand recap and player interviews when I can and things like that. So that's another component. And obviously hosting our podcast and kind of doing, you know, the behind the scenes scheduling and marketing for that. Um, I also do all the Rangers influencer marketing, so I'm not sure if everyone listening knows what influencer marketing is, but essentially we work with local content creators and have them out to games to share their Rangers experience. We have events, we have one-off campaigns, and we've met some really fun people through that, so that's a really fun way to kind of share the full Rangers and baseball experience with a younger demographic, which is what we're always working to do. And then finally, I started the Rangers' uh, first-ever college brand ambassador program. I think it's the first in all of Major League Baseball, um, but I'm really proud of it. And this is our second year doing it. I just felt so bad during the pandemic that there were so many young people that were so qualified to have jobs in sports that couldn't just because there weren't those opportunities. And so I created a really fun program for kids to still be involved with the team. I call them kids. They're like three years younger than I am. <laughs> but they're really awesome and a really fun way for them to kind of get their foot in the door and meet some people in the organization and represent us as well. Well, you're doing great work. Thank you. And I appreciate that. you forgot one really important job responsibility. What is that? You babysit me. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's that, that's, that's true. It's not in my job description technically, it but which, yeah, it's I, my favorite part of the job, honestly. Uh, it's up there. I love my job, so that's another added <laughs> bonus, I guess. I get to hang out with you. But there are always parts of your job you don't love, and, and babysitting uh, babysitting me is probably on that list. That's so funny. I don't think there's anything about my job that I don't love. I love the organization. I love Texas. Yes, I'm Mother California in Texas, but I just I love it here, and I couldn't see myself anywhere else. 
All right, moment hosting in game that you had to react on the fly. This is, <laughs> oh, I, I man. don't think people who have never oh. been on camera understand uh, live television, live yep. in game. I mean, this oh, that, man. that can be daunting. Yes. Okay. So this one actually happened pretty recently. So this was back in May or June of this season. And I usually have a couple promo staff people standing around me. Um, you know, just making sure no one's trying to jump in front of the camera or do anything crazy. And, I mean, trust me, people, especially after a few drinks, will do pretty much anything that they want. So uh, I usually have people around me. This was, I believe, a Wednesday or a Thursday day game. And so I think we might have been a little short-staffed. And I'm like, oh, it's a, you know, day game. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. And I was doing a 50-50 raffle hit. And this kid, probably between, gosh, 12 to 14, I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is not happening right now. And he walked and just stood right next to me and put up, like, a number four or something in the camera. I don't know exactly what he was trying to get across. So <laughs> I didn't really know what to say. I had never been in that situation before, and I just knew that I had to get him out of the shot and as nicely and as gently as possible. And so all I thought of at the time, I think I blacked out for a second. I just said, excuse us, thank you so much, and I gently tapped him on the shoulder uh, and he got the hint, but luckily it was filmed, so I have it on my Instagram now, and awesome. uh, it's something that I'll always remember. It was pretty funny, and people still talk about it now, but now I know what to do in case that ever happens again. But if you're listening and you're thinking about jumping in a camera shot, please don't do it. I mean, it could create a, a funny... Uh, it was a good meme. Yeah, but, you know, that... Uh, pick your spots, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pick don't, your battles. You're... Uh, being the first is fine, then the, you know, trying to be the imitator yes. just doesn't work. Yeah. And that, if you try to do it, I know exactly what I'm going to say now, so it's not even going to catch me off guard anymore, yeah. so yeah. just don't You're even right. try. You're battle-tested. All right, uh, maybe maybe this is one and the same, but most memorable in-game hosting hit this season. Ooh. Oh, I'm probably going to cry when I talk about this one. So this oh, was man. actually, yeah, it was really, really special. Um, there was a little girl, so now we do a segment called What a Fan, and I usually try to pick kids. I think they have really fun answers and, you know, they talk about their fandom and why they love the Rangers and favorite players and things like that. And this was, I believe, the last homestand. And there was this little girl named Zoe. And I picked her because she had a cute sparkly bow and she was really happy to be at the ballpark. I was like, perfect candidate for what a fan. And so I went down and I was chatting with Zoe and her family. And, you know, they were so excited. And I asked them if they were celebrating anything special at the ballpark that day. And they said that they were celebrating Zoe being four years cancer free. And I think she was probably seven or eight years old. And um, I asked if it was okay if I shared that just to kind of you know get the crowd to give her a big applause because obviously they had been through so much. And um, they said, yes, of course, you're more than welcome to. And so I mentioned that in the hit. And I mean, I, I had my earphones in so I couldn't fully hear everything, but I could just see people standing up and applauding her. And it just, I got the nicest email from her dad after just saying, you know, he grew up a Rangers fan, he grew up in Arlington, and, you know, they were just getting well wishes on the concourse, and people were just really there to support her, and I think that that just shows so much about Rangers fans, and you never really know what, you know, a fan that you go up to has gone through or is going through at the time, and it was just really special being able to give her that moment, and I hope that it's something that she always remembers. That's awesome. So... You're such a better person. Than no, I it's just, you know, it goes from the contrast, the kid jumping in the camera to a really amazing story like that. And that's something that I'll always remember, too. And I hope that I get to see her a lot more and just give them a really cool Rangers experience. So yeah. she was amazing. And so is her family. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for facilitating that. Uh, you are. I, you are such a good person. So it's uh, not a surprise. But that's a that's a special moment. Those, those are the things that like. You do remember, right? That, Absolutely. That the, the final score of a game some days, some nights. 
just is not that significant when you experience something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's fitting. We end on that note. We realize that this is sometimes bigger than baseball. Yes. And you, uh, you know, you can impact someone. You never know, like, what is so special to someone that to you it might just be trivial and consequential, you know, whatever the case might be. I just so. love – the thing I love about baseball, too, is how much people just rally around someone, like whenever it's a military welcome or something like this, and people are always on their feet. They're cheering. They're just happy to be there and support people. And whether they've met them or not, I think that we just have the most amazing fans that just want to be there for each other, and it's really awesome. I, I want to share one quick thing about, the you know, every year, every year, every game we honor veterans, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure every single player, you know, is is applauding or whatever. I, I, I don't mean to suggest that they don't, but I, I don't know why. I always notice, you know, it's usually Corey Seager's running out to the shortstop position or the middle of, you know, taking some ground mm-hmm. balls thrown by the first baseman, just, you know, the typical warm-up. He will always stop no matter what. Like, the, he could have the ball in his hand about a throw. He'll stop and, like, pat his glove, like, clapping. I love that. And I just, I, and I look so around, cool. he's not the only one. Like, I notice all the guys do it. But for whatever, maybe it's because he's tall and he stands out. But, like, I just, it's, these guys have a lot going on. It's very easy for them to not be aware. And it's almost like he makes a point to show the respect to these people. Right? Absolutely. Which I think is really cool. There was a time, too, kind of going off of that, similar but different. Um, I also host the Steal a Base contest every game. Yeah, and so... Do. I always look at the left fielders sometimes, and, you know, they're usually watching, and sometimes I'll look over, and if Brad Miller's out there, he's like, come on, buddy, you got it, like, oh, cheering them awesome. on. I so totally, that's such, it was that's really sweet. Yes, it Absolutely. is. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, this little bit of uh, what, AMA. Is that what the cool kids Yeah, a little say? Ask Us, uh, AUA maybe? Uh, I don't know. AUA, ask Us yeah. anything? Yeah, all right. I can go AMA, AUA. Yeah. 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 Uh, we might bring this back uh, at some point, but we appreciate the questions, and we certainly appreciate those of you who have been supporting this podcast from the start. Uh, But right now, we're going to hear from our sponsor, the great Whataburger, our favorites. They got some awesome stuff uh, cooking right now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, literally and and figuratively. (laughs) And then afterwards, our conversation with Rangers General Manager, DFW native, two-sports star, and former Texas Rangers pitcher, Chris Young. They call it the all-new Whataburger Peppercorn Ranch Chicken Club. But with grilled or crispy water chicken, fresh lettuce and tomato, crispy bacon, Monterey Jack cheese, and creamy peppercorn ranch, all on the Texas toast. I call it delicious. Available for a limited time at participating locations. All right, Chris, before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of Chris Young, state of the Texas Rangers, uh, since we have you, what's, uh, what's the, the latest of the organization? Well, I think top to bottom, uh, we've seen a lot of positive things this year. Um, certainly some areas that we want to continue to improve. Um, by no means uh, do we expect to be a finished championship caliber uh, organization this season. Um, that said, we did want to take a meaningful step forward. And I think halfway through the season at the big league level, we've seen a lot of progress, um, but certainly some areas where we need to continue to address, uh, continue to improve our roster. 
and also buy time for our younger players uh, who are going to be contributing members uh, to what we believe is a championship team. So uh, all, all in all, uh, throughout the organization, we've uh, it's been um, fun, exciting, uh, especially on the PD side to see some of the progress that's been made, um, see how some of our affiliates have, have played and performed, um, but also uh, areas of, um, of uh, continued development um, where we want to see guys take the next step, uh, both in player development and at the big league level. And uh, we will continue to address that as we move into the second half of the season and through the off season. And I think that um, all in all, the arrow is pointing up and we're excited about what um, the future holds for the organization. Well, up's the big word, right? This is the straight up Texas podcast, which probably has a lot of meetings, but the, the word up also probably representative of uh, the, the direction of the organization. And we're having this conversation on Tuesday, July 26. And earlier today it was announced that uh, the team had come to terms with first-round pick Kamar Rocker, which I know is, is representative of kind of where this this thing is headed. And I imagine the draft and signing Kamar and uh, just everything that kind of goes into that is, is probably exciting for the organization. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's an exciting time of year. Uh, obviously, it's a busy time of year with the draft and the trade deadline backed up against each other. But uh, really, I think the draft is such an important time for any organization. And um, it's been a lot of fun around here the last week or 10 days um, in all of our draft meetings leading up to the draft last week. And certainly um, in the culmination of um, picking Kumar and then certainly uh, our uh, fourth round pick, Brock Porter, as well. Um, we felt like uh, given the um, the, the way the draft lined up this year and us not having a second and third round pick, we were thrilled to have the opportunity to draft what we consider to be two of the top talents in the draft and uh, both players fitting our long-term future and um, very excited to, uh, to, to wrap up Kumar this morning and, and get him signed and on board. You mentioned Brock Porter. Uh, you, I think, had said that that was a, a tough night between drafting Kamar and then waiting to make that that next pick in the fourth round, maybe lost a little bit of sleep. So I'm just curious, what are some of the things that now in your time as a general manager that do cause you to lose some sleep, maybe outside of a game that night? But are there, there <laughs> decisions that maybe you lose sleep over or have you kind of just become used to, to all of it, the good, the bad and, and everything in between? No, Jared, it's a great question. There, uh, there are a lot of sleepless nights. Um, you know, I think the majority of them revolve around the big league team and the way we're playing. Um, uh, and when we're going well, uh, obviously it's a little bit easier to sleep and you feel good about things. Um, and when the team struggles, you, you live it day to day. I, I've said this, I grew up a Ranger fan. I'm not sure there's a bigger Ranger fan out there. Um, I, I love this organization. I am uh, 100% committed to, uh, to to bringing our fans a World Series championship in time. Um, but there are bumps in the road that come along with that. And so uh, I lose sleep over every single one of them. Um, but uh, that said, it's, it's part of the job and I love every aspect of it. So... Um, you know, aside from the way the team's playing, uh, certainly there's 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 always things. It's it's whether um, something in player development, um, it's what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, where we can improve as an organization. You're sort of constantly analyzing all aspects of the org, and none of them are always going to be perfect. There's always going to be an area that's um, that needs some some love and some attention, and so uh, you know you have to focus your energy at times in different areas, and it, it, it can feel spread thin. 
men at times as well. Um, regarding draft night specifically, uh, it was a fun night and that we drafted Kumar, but again, the draft continued through the uh, end of the first round and um, in the second round, and we obviously didn't have a pick, so uh, we were kind of sitting there seeing how the draft was going to play out, and when we sort of sat back, assessed all the first-round draft picks, which teams had really kind of spent money. We had a pretty good idea of of where teams would spend or go over slot or under slot, who would save. It, it became somewhat clear that Brock Porter may be someone that would be available to us on day two. Um, and then we started hitting the phones, um, getting in touch with Brock's agent and talking about what he was looking for and seeing what we may be able to do on our end. And uh, eventually the two sides lined up. And um, then at that point, we were at the mercy of really the teams picking in front of us. And uh, fortunately for us, he did not get selected. What does signing Brock Porter mean for the future of the Rangers rotation? Brock is a starting pitcher. Um, he's a, a high school right-handed starting pitcher. He was the Gatorade National Player of the Year um, out of Michigan. Uh, he's 18 years old or 19 years old, and um, you know he's he's got a lot of development left to do. But we recognize the talent. This is a tremendous person, um, a great competitor, and uh, in time we think he could be a frontline starting pitcher. But um, you know we we recognize that it is a, a, a slow burn. Um, especially with a high school starting pitcher. We want to make sure that first we get him into the organization, we get him familiar with everybody, comfortable, um, and that we build towards 2023 and getting him out for his first uh, full season. It'll be the most intense, longest, stressful season of his life. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that we have a support system around him to prepare him for that. Uh, that said, we are very confident in the person and his ability to handle all of the stresses that come along with it. But until you've gone through it, you can't really prepare or predict it. So, um, um, you know, the first year is really just getting your feet wet. And then from there, uh, year two is really when you kind of settle in and we'll have a better idea of his timeline. Well, you just mentioned year two, and this is year two for you. We actually had you on our podcast last year. And so this year, you've obviously had so much more time as the Rangers GM. So what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in this role over the last year? Ooh, there've been a lot of lessons, Hannah, and by no means do I have any of them figured out completely <laughs> yet. So, uh, it's a really good question. I wouldn't say there's one specific area that I have, um, one lesson that's come to me and I say, Oh, I've got this figured out. I think that just in general, that, um, things are always fluid. They're always moving. They're always going to be, as I said earlier, something that isn't functioning perfectly, um, an area that you can concentrate in. And, uh, it's really just being able to one, um, rely on all the people around you uh, to clearly set expectations and the vision um, and then allow the the great people we have working here uh, to go out and execute on that. And um, and while I wish I could spend every minute um, devoting time to the things I love the most of the job, that's not possible. And so uh, you do get spread thin at times, but making sure that um, you're able to give the attention to the areas that need it most, be able to prioritize and understand, okay, uh, th this needs some problem solving today and uh, uh, hopefully tomorrow we can move on to the next thing. But that, that's probably been the biggest lesson for me. Um, but uh, again, we have great people here that have, um, I've learned a lot from everybody and I'm really excited about where we are as an organization and what we have to look forward to in the coming years. I know that character is something that you value, that JD values, that the organization as a whole values, whether it's the players, you know, really top down. So what kind of character and things in people that you hire, whether it's coaches, players, what character do you look for in people? I think there's a lot of different elements to this. And, and character obviously means different things to different people. I think to us and, and to me specifically, I, I think it means we want 
um, high achievers, people who are motivated uh, to, to, to be great. Um, that's what our goal is. We want to win championships here. We're, this is what we're in it for. It's what our fans deserve. It's what we're committed to giving them. So we want extremely high achievers, but we don't want high achievers at the expense of um, people who cannot get along in a team environment. You have to be a team player. You have to be able to um, to sacrifice your individual goals for the team. You have to be able to collaborate, communicate. Um, you have to be able to uh, challenge and receive challenges um, and be receptive to that um, and fit in that team environment. It's unbelievably important. And uh, if we all operate with our own individual agenda, we'll never accomplish anything. So I think highly, highly competitive driven people who uh, can operate and function in a team environment and put the team ahead of themselves is a common characteristic, whether it's in our front office, it's in our coaching staff, or it's on the field with our players. And um, I think in time when you, you get that, um, that, uh, you know, a, a majority of people or all of the people functioning in the same way with those characteristics, um, it's going to lead to a winning team. All right. So you, I want to go back to your days growing up as a Rangers fan. Uh, I'll, I'll let you slide with the biggest Rangers fan out there. I'll, I'll, I'll take the silver medal for now. Uh, I've got you beat by about a foot and a, <laughs> a lot of pounds, too. So I wasn't I, – this was uh, – yes, <laughs> literally and um, metaphorically. I would say maybe two feet. I'm I was going to sure. say one foot's kind of generous. Now I'm, I'm, I'm a little taller, I guess. Uh, all right, so – and I, I know you, you have kids, and, and I know your son Grant is around, and, and – you know, loves the ball club. He and I'm was sure also he's got very tall, by the way. I met him in an elevator recently. He is so yeah. tall. I don't know where they get it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure he's got opinions, right? And, and when I was growing up, like, they're the most irrational things when you're, like, eight years old. You just don't understand. Like, I remember when the Rangers traded for Todd Hollinsworth. That was, like, the coolest thing because he had a long name. Like, and right. I, I didn't know anything right. about, like, his tools or whatever, but... Uh, do you remember anything as a Rangers fan growing up that wasn't like a serious, like well thought out opinion, but just like an irrational thought, like, man, this guy's my favorite player. Cause I went to a game once and he threw me like anything like that, that just stands out from your childhood. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I've had so many great Ranger memories. I'm trying to remember one that was just an irrational, more emotional, like kid type memory, but, um, Oh that's a, you've stumped me here. Um, nothing specifically. I mean, I just, I remember things like, you know, as I was a little kid, Buddy Bell was my favorite Ranger because I loved the, that his name was Buddy, right? Yeah. And I didn't even know that he was the best player on the team. I just knew that I loved Buddy Bell. And, um, you know, as I got into the Nolan Ryan years, I remember just how great he was and the sort of um, prestige and aura that came with Nolan Ryan plays the Texas Rangers. It felt like to me in a lot of ways, he put the franchise on the map. Um, and as a young, you know, 10-year-old boy, at the time who wanted to be a major league player and he made me like pitching I didn't even pitch at that point he made me want to um, start to become a pitcher and um, and then getting into the kind of the, the mid to late 90s teams which were my junior um, high and high school years and seeing the team finally turn the corner and win the division and make the playoffs and how great those players were and um, and seeing guys like Rick Helling and Aaron Seeley and uh, John Burkett and players who didn't necessarily have the most talent 
talent, but were competitors and got the job done. And um, so, you know, this this organization, this franchise has taught me a lot about life, a lot about baseball, specifically what I believe in, and it's shaped my, my views. And so I've had a lot of um, rational moments uh, as a fan. I've had a lot of irrational ones too, and, and that certainly tra- uh, uh, carries over into this role as well. Um, but uh, when you live it and you breathe it um, and you love an organization like I do the Rangers, um, it, night in, night out, it makes it unbelievably fun, but it also makes the tough times hard as well. And so, uh, you know, I look forward to eventually us holding the World Series trophy out on that field and our fans seeing 40,000 fans inside and another 50,000 fans outside celebrating. Um, our fans deserve that, and that's what uh, we're going to give them one day. You get to empathize with Rangers fans because you grew up a Rangers fan, you played for the Rangers, now you're the GM of the Rangers, so you've seen everything full circle in so many different aspects. How awesome is that for you? You know, little Chris Young, you know, 10 years old, watching Nolan Ryan pitch. Did you ever imagine that you would be in this position one day? No, never. I mean, my dream was to play for the Rangers, and I had that dream. That dream came true, and I was, it, was, it was great. I loved every minute of it would never understand that there would be something even more fulfilling in terms of, um, uh, you know, leading this organization and, and helping us achieve uh, greatness. And for me, um, when we achieve that, that will be uh, the, probably the most satisfying thing I will have compl- accomplished in a professional career. Um, and, uh, you know, I, again, I got to live my dream of being a player. Uh, but in this role, the beauty of this role is that you get to impact so many people. On a, as a player on a daily basis, you come to the field solely focused on what you need to do that day to help your team be successful. In this role, you come to the field every day looking out for everybody else, thinking, what does everybody else need from me to be successful and, and accomplish their, their goals today on an individual basis? So that is um, the beauty of, of this, this role, and I, I love it. Um, it's challenging, but um, as I said, uh, I grew up a Ranger fan. I, I know the pains that the Ranger fans have been through. Um, I see the support that this organization has, and it just excites me about what's to come. I know we've asked you about your favorite Rangers memory growing up, but what has been your favorite Rangers memory as the GM? Well, there have been a lot. Um, there have been a lot of special moments, and I think it's one of the things that uh, JD has really taught me is that you want to celebrate those special moments when they happen, and um, there are enough painful, hard times, but you also want to celebrate um, those special moments when they happen. And so even just walk-off wins in the last couple of years have been fun to watch, seeing the growth of some of our young players, seeing guys like Jonah Heim, who uh, we traded for when I first took the job, um, seeing him really develop into an all-star caliber player this season, um, watching Nate low uh, succeed, um, seeing Marcus and Corey out there having success, um, you know, hearing about the challenges some of our prospects have been through and then the adversity they've faced and the, the, their ability and way of overcoming those things. Josh Young's a perfect example um, and having conversations with him. Probably the most fulfilling things for me are just the individual conversations with our players, talking baseball, talking about some of the challenges and um about the stresses that come with the job, what the expectations are, and helping them achieve their dreams. I got to live it. Um, I know what it's like. I know how great it can be. And now to help these guys achieve their dreams and live it, um, it's it's unbelievably cool. I want to ask you a basketball question. Is there a particular game when you were playing at Princeton that stands out to you for whatever reason? Yeah, Jared, it's actually... uh, 
a lot of games. Um, I love basketball. I love playing college basketball. And so I, I can pretty vividly remember most games, at least most of the fun ones. Um, some of the bad <laughs> ones I remember as well, but the fun ones are the ones I try to, to, um, to, to go back to when I think about my college basketball days. So um, one in particular, I mean, there, there were games where I remember playing the University of Texas my freshman year. I remember playing Georgetown and NC State and at Kansas mm-hmm. and um, at Xavier and some big time opponents. And I remember some of our league games that were equally as tough because you're playing teams that knew your offense and knew how to um, design a defense around that. And um, but I loved it. I love college basketball. Okay, so the game against Kansas was in 1999. Uh, Kansas, I mean, it seems like they're just perennially really good. But for my money, playing a game there, I, I've, I've been able to, as a fan, go to a game in Lawrence and in Durham at Cameron Indoor and Allen Fieldhouse, Allen Fieldhouse, both outstanding. Uh-huh. If I had to give an edge to one, I'd give it to Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, just, just by, I mean, there, you uh-huh. can't go wrong, right? Uh-huh. It's not like I'm, That's, yeah. uh, I feel like I, I, someone told me that you maybe played well in that game. I, like I, <laughs> I, 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 I want to go look at box scores and it's just like not available. You so you can't find them. But like, I, I, what was it like playing in that environment? And, and is that, is that correct? Like, did you have a, I don't want to like put you in a position to toot your own horn here, but like, did you play well that game? Or was that no, no? It, it, first of all, Allen Fieldhouse is an incredible place. Um, I, I went to Kansas basketball camp when I was in eighth grade. Uh, Roy Williams was the head coach at the University of Kansas. Went up there, absolutely loved it. Had a blast. It was so much fun. Um, and then you know, five, six years later, I'm playing college basketball um, and, and we go to Kansas. And so Kansas was you know, top five in the nation at the time. It feels like they are every year. And uh, we lost by, I think, 17 or 20 points. It was a, a bad blowout loss, as you would expect um, to some degree as a small conference team playing against the Jayhawks in Allen Fieldhouse. Um, yes, I did have a very good game. It was the closest game I had played at, to that point in my college career to Texas. And so I had a lot of friends and family who drove up, um, made the, the trek up to uh, to uh, Lawrence for the game. And um, I, I had a very good game. Um, unfortunately, we still lost by 20, but at least I can look back on it and say, you know, it was a good memory for me personally. But in the end, the team lost, and that was what I cared about. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back, uh, some more questions with Rangers General Manager Chris Young. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you're craving a bigger, better burger, you know where to go. What a burger. And if you go right now, you can treat yourself to the all-new Bacon Blue Cheeseburger. Two all-beef patties with crispy bacon, grilled onions, blue cheese crumbles, and peppercorn ranch. So what are you waiting for? Available for a limited time at participating locations. We are back with Rangers General Manager Chris Young, and we always have a signature question, so I'm going to toss over to Jared, and let's see what you have to say. Okay. All right, so one of the things we've asked people, and I guess you know, you obviously can, can view this from the perspective as your time as a player, uh, maybe you know, your, your time as a GM, someone who you really respect who might have or might still be a rival, I don't want to say an adversary, no, but like someone you don't have a relationship with. So like someone you could say, Hey, you know, I really don't know that person, 
But man, from afar, I really respect him or her, the way they competed against me or the way they go about things. So not, not a friend who's maybe easier to elevate, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, there, there's so many. I mean, there's so many um, peers that I had as a player that I just um, respected immensely and never really got to know them, but just loved the way they went about it. You know, I'd say when I was a player, um, Derek Jeter always stood out in that regard, just a consummate professional, um, really just all business, um, had a way to me from the outside of making the guys around him better, um, was just a, a rock in terms of nothing phased him. And, uh, I, I really appreciated that. It was try, I tried to model that type of behavior. Roy Halliday uh, exhibited that as well to me. And so when I saw these guys just being unemotional out there and, and, um, committed to their profession and their task and just winning players, um, those guys really stood out to me. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting to know both players, uh, over time, not well, but just enough to where um, their reputation that preceded them um, before I met them, they lived up to it. And uh, they're, you know, Roy obviously has passed away, um, but a, a tremendous competitor and someone I really admired. And Derek, uh, obviously a Hall of Famer as well, and um, wonderful competitor and athlete. I was just looking uh, in your career against Derek Jeter. Do you have any idea, like you were successful, you weren't? Do you have no recollection? No, I, I think he's one of the few players that I just admired. I know he had some hits off me. I, I, um, I, I don't remember the extent. Uh, just, I wouldn't know two the for numbers 13. at all. You, wow. you, yeah, you had his numbers. Two well, for 13. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. I remember the two hits, actually. I remember, I think, a double in Yankee Stadium and a a single up the middle when I was pitching for Seattle in 2014, wow. his last season. So, I don't know about that. Yeah. Good memory. Well, I know that we're running a little short on time, so we'll have a few quick fan questions for you. Yeah. So Gav K. Roberts on Instagram wants to know, how did you get your job with the Texas Rangers? I was working for Major League Baseball. I had uh, been retired for almost three years uh, from playing. Um, I was working in the commissioner's office for Major League Baseball, and the Rangers, uh, John Daniels, called me and said, um, we're thinking of um, hiring a general manager. He was um, the president of baseball operations, and, uh, and he said, would you like to interview? And I said, yes, absolutely I would. And uh, one thing led to the next, and, and here I am. It's really fun talking about the Rangers' past 50 years on this podcast and celebrating with people like you. But looking forward, Steffi K. Texas wants to know, where do you see the Rangers in two to three years? I know it's a very loaded question, but in a few sentences, how would you describe oh, your outlook on the future? It's, it's a great question. I think it's an important question for our fans to hear um, in that I – expect us to be competing for World Series championships in the next two to three years. I think that we have uh, the talent in our player development system. We have the the um, core players out on the field. I think we've got um, an unbelievable st uh, stadium with a fan base that is uh, extremely supportive. Um, we're in a great market that gives us resources um, to spend year in, year out on free agency. And I think that you take all of those things combined and where we are in terms of our system, um, our expectation is that we, we want to be back in the World Series and winning championships in the next two to three years. Putting the up in straight up Texas. That's I like right. It. Yeah, That's yeah. right. All right, one last one. I know you got to go. Uh, probably an easy one. This one comes on Instagram from some guy named Paul. He wants to know which front office member do you most enjoy traveling with? <laughs> I'm sure you can guess which uh, oh, Paul asked Paul that question. Is. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, my, my good friend, uh, Paul Kruger, who is currently <laughs> in Seattle. Paul, we miss you. Uh, I've been back here. We've been on Zoom all morning together, too. So, uh, But PK, 
get us a win tonight if you're uh, if you're listening. I think that's the answer. <laughs> the, the person who brings the most wins is who yes. listens to travel. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Well, Chris, we really appreciate. It. We know that you're busy. Again, we're having this conversation on July 26. Uh, the trade deadline is approaching. You got to go. Uh, get some work done. But thanks so much for being with us. Guys, thanks for having me. I loved it. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, Chris Young, Rangers general manager, as we continue to celebrate 50 years of Texas Rangers baseball. Uh, Who better than the current general manager and hometown kid, former player for the Texas Rangers, Chris Young. And uh, Hannah, a lot of fun. We uh, we look forward to bringing more conversations with people who help represent this organization. Let's do it. It's going to be great. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening.